Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we talk about the challenges of aging. They may be challenges, but that doesn't mean they can't be overcome. Sometimes it takes a little luck, sometimes a little courage. We're taking a closer look. With me in studio is Paul Weiss, president of Oasis, a national nonprofit organization based in St. Louis that focuses on healthy aging. Deb Gott is the founder of Boomalally, a startup that helps people over 50 transition into a new and productive phase of their lives. And joining us by phone is Dr. Ken Druck, psychologist who helps older people navigate the challenges of aging. He has also written a book, and I have the title here right in front of me someplace. That is, uh, what is that? Uh, the Courageous Aging. I'm sorry, doctor. Your best years ever reimagined. Okay, sorry I messed that up. But, Doctor, good to have you with us. Let's, uh, let's begin with this idea of courage. What are, the, uh, what are the big challenges older people are facing these days? Well, you know, Don, courage is, uh, my Angelo used to talk about courage as the greatest virtue, that all the other great virtues are in be- have courage embedded in them. And really summoning newfound courage is the challenge of every season of life, including uh, the third and fourth quarter. So when we summon that courage, we're able to face into the issues that are arising, as well as the opportunities that are arising as we get older. Paul Weiss, how does that play out with Oasis? I mean, Oasis is, is focused entirely on having older adults increase the footprint of their lives, continue to, continuing to be learners, uh, continuing to acquire new skills, engaging in healthy habits that, that improve their health and, and make their lives uh, more enjoyable, and giving them opportunities to volunteer and really be purposeful to create real social impact. And that's where Boom Alali comes in, Deb? Well, if, if, uh, if our two gentlemen here are about the third and fourth quarter, Boom Alali is about halftime <laughs> and making that transition from halftime to third quarter. And so there's real courage in trying to decide what's my next chapter, either in my career or what I want to do before I retire. So we're all kind of right there together helping to, from halftime on, just glide in to really hopefully a very happy Happy aging life. I would think, though, for someone in their 50s, that's, uh, that's a very difficult proposition in today's world. It's incredibly difficult because we want to be financially settled and, and healthy. And at the same time, there's that, that, that desire that there's something else. There's one more thing that I want to do or one more chapter I want to write. Hmm. Dr. Druck, I also think that uh, going along with all of this would have to be the notion of fear. There are so many things to be afraid of as we age. Absolutely. And the decision about whether we face into those fears or we spend the rest of our lives hiding, denying, repressing, self-medicating, trying to outrun those fears is really a critical decision of our character. And if we choose to face in, we get to overcome those fears and actually turn fear and avoidance into confidence and clarity. And we get to look at, okay, what if I were to imagine my best years ever, what are they? If I were to opt out of what the society says, which is that as I, get, as I get older, I'm out to pasture. I'm really, it's all over. If I were to repurpose my energy, my enthusiasm, my passions, and do with what I really wanted with these years of my life at any season, what would that look like? When we reimagine that future, amazing things happen. But Paul, isn't that easier said than done? Well, I mean, I, I think I think when we when you approach older adulthood or or advanced adulthood, one one of the things one has to do is continue to grow, 
And that's a big theme of Oasis, continue to grow intellectually, learn, develop new skills, but also can continue to change. One of the things uh, I was talking to Deb in, in the green room, and we talked about, you know, engaging in a lifetime of childhood. And that's, you know, I think that's, that, that's a component of this. Don't look at aging. Look at behavior. A lifetime of childhood, Deb? Absolutely. It's the whole concept of being a cat at heart and not and not stop dreaming. Because one of the things about dreaming about what you want to do is if you have that, you get over that fear and you try to move forward with that dream, then why not dream it if it will help you move forward with your life, embrace your life, enjoy your life? But there are health issues. There are loneliness issues, loss of friends and spouse. I mean, that's that's a, a bad part of any kind of a dream. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I think part of really looking outward, as, as um, Dr. Drucker said, what just looking outward makes you face outward. And, and you actually start reaching out to people and you start connecting with them. And the more we have that connection, not only are we healthier, but we are creating new opportunities to succeed. Doctor, how difficult is that for people to do, to reach out uh, at an advanced stage of life? Well, you know what? There's the inner work and the outer work, and both are important. The inner work, you know, you talked about loss. Sometimes the biggest loss is grieving the loss of our younger self, that we're in perpetual grief unless we're grieving in a healthy way, unless we can celebrate and say, you know what? I had a good ride that part of my life. Now what? Now what am I going to do? And that reaching out, the outer work, is really staying engaged. It's communicating with our families. It's putting our houses in order interpersonally in our families. You know, the legal, we, we talk about estate planning, the legal and financial matters, but there's also the spiritual and the interpersonal matters. What about getting our psychological state estate planning in order as well? So all the, all the courageous aging is about is putting our house in order it's the inner work and it's the outer work. Well, what kind of changes have you seen in people as they recognize this in themselves? Well, what we hear from Oasis participants is they love going to classes where they're interactive, where they get to talk to each other and use their own voice. Our intergenerational tutors are tutors who work uh, in, in public schools doing mentorship and literacy with elementary school-age kids. They talk about the, the transformative uh, experience of engaging with youth and feeling purposeful, knowing that they're changing a life, knowing that they're engaging with someone in a meaningful way. And I think one of the things that, that Ken touched on is – uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to it as, as being unselfconscious. If you are doing something else, we know that pain management is improved by being distracted, by being involved, by being externally focused. We know that depression is addressed by being physically active, by being mentally active. And so the more the older adult can do things that make them feel like they're growing and are engaged and distract from self, the bigger and better their lives are. The doctor being being active is not something you can always count on. A lot of people uh, might be young at heart but immobilized for one reason or another, housebound, if you will. How do you deal with them, and how do you keep them uh, in the in the proper frame of mind? Well, Don, you know, sometimes we we keep romanticizing our what our younger self was able to do. You know, I played competitive soccer. I played in the senior Olympics, literally. And I, you know, I had to learn as I got older how to work the passing lanes. You know, I wasn't as quick as the younger guys. I wasn't, I wasn't able to do what I did as a younger person. So how do we make those adjustments 
those subtle, slight adjustments in what we can do and focus on, you know what, I can't do that anymore, but what can I do? How do I stay active? How do I use what I have to make the most of every day of my life? And I think it's making those transitions. It's staying engaged, staying involved, and looking at the menu of possibilities. You know, Oasis is is an extraordinary organization nationally because it's awakening people to all the greater possibilities. We need that menu of possibilities. And the same thing that uh, Deb is doing, you know, by really helping people stop, think, reflect, do a little bit of self-examination and look at their options and then put a few of them into action. Deb, I often talk to people about how important it is to have some place to go every day, something to do, something, uh, some mission. It is so true. In fact, one of the fun things that we did in the last year, being a little startup, is that we decided we would try something that's called Meetup. It's a platform where people get to go and look in their area of what's available to them in terms of groups that they can interact with. And we stood up this little meetup called Celebrating Life After 50. And we really weren't sure whether or not people would really respond to it. We put it out on a Friday night. We had 75 members by 7.30 the next morning. And now we have almost 600 members, which is crazy. And one of the things that, that we're hearing in those meetup groups is when they come, half of them are going, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And so part of it is just underscoring that what if we could build a, a longer runway and prepare for when we retire? Because turns out you can flunk retirement. Okay, well, that's good to know. We'll all look forward to not flunking out in retirement. But Paul, let me just turn to you in about the minute or so that we have left. The most important thing you may be doing at Oasis is really just bringing people together and having that those social moments. That's absolutely right. I mean, the toxicity of social isolation is becoming increasingly well-documented. If you can get people in a room learning together, exercising together, volunteering and meeting new people, engaging with youth, you're, you're, uh, you're avoiding one of the hardest parts of, of old age, which is being alone. Yeah. Just address that, doctor, if you would, in 30 seconds, the social yeah. isola- isolation. You know, critical, critical that we get out, critical that we engage, we stay involved with our families. And by the way, you know, there are a lot of people listening to the show today who have parents that are getting older. You're watching your parents get older. If you think these issues are about older people, they're not. They're about the way we interact, and sometimes families disengage. Staying involved as a family, getting to understand, and part of what we're going to be dealing with in our upcoming programs is helping people who are 40, 50, 60 years old who have aging parents understand exactly what the needs are of those parents and how to best meet them. We will be talking about that program you just mentioned in a moment, but we have to take a break. We'll do that now and come back to continue our conversation on aging. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Now back to our conversation with Deb Gott of Bumalali, Paul Weiss of Oasis, and psychologist Dr. Ken Druck. He is the author of Courageous Aging, Your Best Years Ever Reimagined. 
Okay. You were talking off the air, Deb, about uh, one of the uh, older women that you know writing romance novels. Okay. How important is romance in the aging process? Well, as a, as a woman, I would say it's pretty darn important. And I think it's fun that she is writing it. She just retired at 65 and, and just now got uh, the, her book is going to be picked up by Harlequin. And I think romance is really important, and I think we don't do it very well um, because people don't Speak know Speak for yourself, Deb. <laughs> well, I mean the meeting people uh-huh. part of it. Uh-huh. So meeting people sometimes is very difficult because you you don't know how to do that, especially if you've been married, you're widowed, and you just haven't been out in the dating world and so much of it's social media now. And I don't think we've gotten the hang of that quite yet. Dr. Druck, do you agree? Yep. I, I think, uh, you know, I, th- I think there's an incredible opportunity in front of all of us. I think we're turning the page on antiquated ideas about what it means to be getting older. And I'm not talking about cliches that, you know, 50 is the, is the new 40 and 40 is the new 60. I'm talking about the, the opportunities that are coming. Uh, first of all, we're getting older. Second of all, we've got 120 million people that will be over 65 in the next year in this country alone. And what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? How are we going to repurpose our lives? How are we going to engage? I think the idea of romance is, is one of many ideas of vibrant living of how we can continue with whatever we have. And granted, we have challenges. I love what you said earlier. You know, it's easier said than done. Yeah, you got to be tough. You've got to be courageous. You've got to summon newfound bravery. You've got to get yourself out there. But when we do, the rewards are fantastic. And when we do, we change the culture from sending all of us out to pasture to one of vibrant living. And, Paul, you were mentioning also off the air, these numbers are absolutely staggering. And, and I had mentioned that our friend, our mutual friend, Dr. John Morley, the uh, gerontologist, is predicting a geriatric tsunami. In a very short period of time, we'll, we'll live to be 120 years old. That's scary. Yeah, or it, should it be? Well, it doesn't need to be scary. I mean, if one of the things we are focusing on at Oasis is that older adults can – we talk about there being a health care crisis of all these older Americans. Well, if we engage in population health and prevention and healthy habit formation, we, we can stem some of those preventable chronic disease challenges. If we can get older adults involved in purposeful volunteering where they have a real social impact, the tsunami can be a tsunami of social impact really motivated 65-plus older adults who are working to create change in their communities, that, that's an unstoppable force. So, you know, the tsunami can wipe away some social problems if we reconceive the notion of what it is to be an older mm-hmm. adult. It's not a time of relevancy. It's time of free time. They can do more. Uh, doctor, one of the things that, that uh, I've, I've noted recently is, is the way younger people react to older people. It's not always a pleasant thing. I don't think that younger people really realize what older people are are going through. How do we get them to understand that? Well, I think, first of all, we've got to be – we're great communicators. We've got to be the best version of ourselves when it comes to being communicators. We've got to engage, and I think you know the OASIS program creates a forum for people to do that and of, of amazing discovery. And suddenly young people start look opening their eyes and saying, my God, there's so much I have to learn. There's so much there for me in a relationship.
relationship with this person as a mentor, as a teacher, as somebody with a lot of experience. This is also happening in organizations across this country where you have baby boomers in near retirement phase working with millennials. And they, when they find in cultures where they create interconnection between those generations, they are thriving because they're both benefiting from each other's experience, from each other's wealth of skills, and so on. But that we are, we have to face that disconnection, whether it's in our own families with our grandkids or our grandparents or with our own aging parents. We've got to be patient. We've got to listen better. Uh, we've got to practice all the good communication skills that we know. Deb, I'll turn this one to you. Uh, many of the millennials that I'm acquainted with uh, feel that older people are in the way. You want people to work longer, and many people want to work longer. But that's preventing them from moving up the economic ladder because we're in the way. How do you deal with that? Well, I think part of it is really coming to, to grips with the fact that ageism is definitely a problem in the workplace. I think the fact that millennials change jobs much, much more often. Sometimes they're there only two or three years. I don't know that they know or think that we're in the way. I w I'm a recovering academic. I taught university mm -hmm. level for 30 years. I think that they are constantly on the move looking for a next thing. And so I think if we do what Ken said and pair them up with older adults in the workplace, they can learn from each other. They can dispel those stereotypes. And I think ageism then becomes, it becomes more about wisdom instead of being in the way. And, I, and it's definitely a problem, but it's something that I think we can start turning the page on as more and more role models are uh, in the media are shown as older people. Even fashion models on the on the runways in Milan are now up 75. Uh, Elon Musk's mother, mm -hmm. for example, major fashion model. And so we're starting to embrace diversity as well as age, even in the media. Paul, what do you hear from your, your friends at Oasis about that? Well, one one of the things – so we very few of our participants are still working. They're mostly retired. And I think one of the, the lost uh, – one of the lost values that comes with a youth-focused society is understanding the power of wisdom and mentorship. And so to, to the extent that we turn aging on its head, that we say older adults are a resource. They're incredibly valuable. They are, they are vehicles for social change. They have wisdom and experience and work life and family experience. They have experienced loss that young people don't anticipate. And so I think getting older people to use their voice to be educators and mentors is very important. It, it takes two to tango, and both sides have to work at it probably a little bit harder than may be the case right now. Doctor, I'll come back to you on another issue that, that comes up, and that is the – in many cases, the loss of dignity, and that is as people get older and they are really, uh, by necessity, depending on other people and their health may not be good, uh, they have caregivers, uh, they are not mobile. How about dealing with that? How, what, what's your recommendation for dealing with uh, a loss of dignity? Well, you know, I think I, I, I think it's un first of all, it's understandable. And when we when I talk about being good listeners, sometimes the best thing we can do uh, the best the best listeners have scar tissue on their tongues for the time they just bite it, be quiet, and listen, and draw somebody out who's dealing with whether it's uh, an increased dependency, they lost their driver's license, they're living in a retirement community, their finances aren't what they had hoped. Um, 
you know, they're, they've lost some independence and they're struggling. And I think, as with every season of life, this is a struggle, and we need to be supportive, compassionate, empathetic, and understanding, and help them process that loss, get over and get through that loss to the other side of it. And the other side of it is that what is there? What makes your life on a day-to-day basis meaningful? What could I do to support you? What could we do? And sometimes, you know, we just need to stand. Sometimes we can't save people. Sometimes it's an adjustment in their own attitude, and they, they're the only ones that can save themselves. So I think it's important to remind people that they have it within themselves to reframe things to the best of their ability. But you know what? Sometimes life is just tough. Sometimes, as the kids say, mm-hmm. life just sucks. Yeah, as we also say, it ain't for sissies. <laughs> That's for sure. There you go. That's uh, Paul. He struck upon something that uh, is a big one, and it may not seem so to younger people. But losing that car, losing that ability to drive, depending on someone else, is a big one. I, I am intimately aware of that. Actually, in my own family, we've had this conversation about: Are we driving? Is the is the circle in which we drive shrinking? Is the car key still going to be part of what you do? Loss of independence is very scary. And I think one of the things that Ken talked on is the is the fear and sadness that comes with this loss. Um, you know, you're, the book that you just wrote. I'll plug your book instead of something away. There you it, go. It, coming of age, liver spots and all, which is Don Marsh's new book. He focuses on you focus on a humorous approach to aging, and I think mm-hmm. having a sense of humor is important. There is some there is value in laughter. There is value in confronting the challenges that you're having, owning them laughing about them, and not letting them limit your dreams in terms of I can learn, I can do, I can have an effect. Dr. and Deb, humor is a, is a big part of it. It very much is. I mean, it's part of that balance, right? And and for 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 people who are in the halftime third quarter, I think part of it is starting to already practice being able to work and to play and to give back to the community and to continue focusing on lifeline learning. And I think if we start balancing our lives more across those things and looking at all of the things that we can do, all of a sudden we feel more of a sense of agency that I'm controlling my fate. Our, our time beginning to wind down. Paul, I'll turn to you. I, I guess you're the one to talk about the event that's taking place here on Saturday. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Ken Druck is coming in for a courageous aging two days um, with St. Louis Oasis. The first will be an, an aging courageously community conversation on Wednesday at the Maryland Heights Community Center. And that is not yet sold out, um, but it's getting close. And the uh, the Thursday, uh, he's holding a courageous aging workshop that unfortunately is sold out. We have a standing room only. But the aging courageously community conversation will be very interesting. We have several panelists from Washington University, um, from from area business leaders who are talking about uh, you know, engaging in a community conversation about aging with Ken. I think it's going to be a fascinating ninety minutes. Right. And and doctor, we only have a few seconds left. But in a short paragraph, what's your principal message going to be here when you're in St. Louis? Well, you know what? The principal message is let's all, let's all get into a conversation about this. We, we have so much. There's so much of richness. I, I can't wait to read your book, by the way. There's so much richness, whether we're talking about humor. I was with Norman Lear the other day talking about his life's work at age 96 and how important humor is. One of my mentors was Norman Cousins, who wrote about humor and health. 
There is so much for us to talk about. Let's open the conversation. Let's talk about what we can do to improve the quality of life in our relationships with our aging parents, as well as if we are that aging parent or that aging spouse, how we can improve the quality of our own lives. Let's open the conversation. Let's figure this out. We can do better than we've been doing. All right, doctor. Thank you, Deb. I know you feel the same way. Thanks to Deb God of Boomerali, Paul Weiss of Oasis, and psychologist Dr. Ken Druck. I'd like to just point out that, as mentioned, I've written a book on aging titled Coming of Age. It's largely humorous. Look at the process. We're having a book launch and reception event here at Umsalit Grand Center Community Room at 6.30 on Friday. Noted gerontologist Dr. John Morley will be with us. You're invited. It's free, but you need to register. You can do so on our website. 